Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. What a wonderful day to be together, amen? Even if it's raining outside, thank you for not letting that keep you from coming. Uh, You're not here by accident. I'm not here by accident. Uh, But God is with us and among us and in us. And nobody seems too alarmed by the fact that we mix things up a little bit and only have one aisle today. Everybody looks okay. They don't look too rattled. That's good. All right. Last week, as we journey toward Easter, as we come to the end of Lent, we focused on life with less. And I guess if you know anybody named Les, we could have put a picture up there. But <sighs> Psalm 23 begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I shall not be in need. And that was our focus last week to say, There is nothing that we truly need that we are lacking. If God is our source and our security and our supplier of what we need, uh, most of us can do with less than we have. Let's be honest, right? Most of us can do with less than we have. Most of us can do with less stuff. Uh, Most of us can do with less stress. Oh my goodness, she got up there too early. All right. Whether it's less stuff or less stress or less burden or less want, less desire of things that maybe aren't as necessary as what we might want, we could do with less. So I forgot to give credit last week to uh, two women who are inspirations for reducing clutter and living with less. So some of you recognize that first face. And that's, uh, Marie, that is Marie Kondo, right? I'm sorry, I don't follow her on on anything, but, and that's, that's me, that's on me, okay, but there's another one too, uh, so who's a fan of, of, of Marie Kondo, it just helped you to keep your life in order, okay, so there's another person too, and we can't go without seeing another popular organizer, okay, Woo! So that's Rhonda Erb, who is uh, part of this church, part of this congregation, and uh, yeah, she's uh, she's she's gone the color of you've gone the color of your hair. Okay, <laughs> you have. I, I wasn't sure if if I should say that, but I think it's okay. Who is also uh, a professional organizer and actually spoke here on on Wednesday to the seniors group, and it was it was excellent. So thank you again, Rhonda, for that uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Marie Kondo uh, has this phrase. She likes to say, does it spark joy? And and that actually fits with with where we're going to go this morning, which is life with more. Last week was life with less. Today is life with more. Uh, There might be a lot of things that we want, but what are some of the things that we really need more of in our lives? A friend of mine who is a Christian counselor says, he says this often, he says, we have been designed 
to be in loving relationships. We have been designed, our, 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 our design is that we need love. And you know that from birth. Babies need love. They need that attention. Not just attention, but they need affection. And so he says that, he says, we've been designed for love, to be in loving relationships. And while that, that, that might sound just really obvious when we hear it, when we reflect on the major relationships that we've had in our lives, we reflect on major relationships that maybe some people that we know have had in their lives. How much do we or do they feel safe and loved? How much have we felt safe and loved? Because when we have felt safe and loved, safe and loved, what a cause and a reason for rejoicing and thanking the Lord. I was even just chatting this morning with another herb, actually with Jason, with Rhonda's husband today, talking about somebody who just shared a part of life and, and life story with him. And the things that we hear, the things that we learn about how love was absent, or the very opposite is what was experienced. And how heartbreaking that is when we hear that from people of all ages and how that has affected their lives because how loved or safe that we have felt throughout our lives will probably have some bearing on how much we help others to feel safe and loved. And, and, and sometimes those are, are generational occurrences over and over again. They need to be broken. So that love replaces unlove. So that where there was destruction, where there was harm, where there was hate even, that by the power and the affection of the living God, that can be broken in Jesus' name. And there can be a new path, there can be a new way. And where we have experienced love and affection, where we have experienced love and affirmation, where we have felt safe and loved, then we can share that with others and just carry that on. That's the kind of thing that we want to see from generation to generation. This morning's message recalls the remaining five verses of Psalm 23. It's a little different approach. Um, I I invite you to look at these questions with me uh, while asking this question, or one like it. What are some of the good things that the Good Shepherd gives us. And as we go through these five verses, there, there's a number of phrases. I think, I think there are ten of them. Uh, when we think of application, though, today, it's not going to be so much about doing. Often application, we say, here's a challenge. We encourage you to do this this week. Today's application is really about not doing, but just receiving. Being like in the story of, of, of two sisters, Mary and Martha, who... who Jesus visited at their house, and Martha was just scurrying about the place so busy, wanting everything to be just right, and being that great hostess, and getting all stressed about it. Nobody here has ever been like that, have you? Meanwhile, her sister Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, and Martha's just getting ticked off, because Mary's not busy like she is. So today our response is not so much about bustling about like Martha, but rather just sitting and receiving and saying, what of these things, what of these things do we need to just sit and receive from God? Amen? 
As we said, uh, we said last week that sheep, since this is a, a metaphor in Psalm 23, sheep are obviously led by a shepherd. And a shepherd leads the sheep, feeds the sheep, finds the sheep when they're lost, protects the sheep from harm, cares for the sheep when they're injured. And we said last week that sheep are not the smartest, they are not the strongest, and they get into a fair bit of trouble if they just wander off on their own. And David, who wrote this Psalm 23, the greatest king in the history of Israel, a great general, a great man of God, a great musician, a great writer, he could have used any of so many metaphors, and throughout the Psalms he uses different metaphors, but he chooses in Psalm 23 to use the metaphor to describe people, including himself, as challenged, weak, vulnerable sheep that go bad. And what's so beautiful is how the shepherd is described loving and caring for his sheep. Because that's really the focus for David. I mean, David's focus wasn't on the stubbornness or the, or, or the, the dumbness of sheep. But rather, his emphasis was on the love of the shepherd. So first off, the first phrase, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Perhaps what you need to receive from Jesus is rest. Rest instead of busyness. You know, in our culture, let me tell you, I believe this. Busy is a four-letter word. And it's a word that's so overused in our culture uh, that people will answer the question, how are you doing, with, with an answer that has nothing to do with how they're doing. It's not about the, the quality of life. Instead, they say, how are you doing? I'm busy. Because we've been taught in our culture that that's the right answer that we will receive affirmation. Oh, thank goodness you're busy. That was the right answer. Because if you had said, I'm not busy, I would have said, what's wrong with you? Because we're all supposed to say we're busy. Rest. And I think we forget this. Rest is one of the Ten Commandments. You know that? Rest is one of the Ten Commandments. That we are to keep the Sabbath holy because for six days God worked, right? He created, and then on the seventh, he rested. Interestingly, of all of the Ten Commandments, there are ten of them, in Exodus chapter 20, this one is the longest one. It actually, there's the most explanation and commentary about this one in Exodus 20 of all the commandments. The most time is spent on, isn't that interesting? Because it's the one that we maybe practice the least. You know, don't, don't, don't murder. Yeah, no problem. I'm good with that. I, that. That's a commandment. I better not do that one. But don't steal. No, I shouldn't do that. I realize it's wrong. And on and on they go. Rest. Well, you know, people affirm me when I say I'm busy. Maybe today Jesus is calling you to some intentional rest. I mean spiritual rest. So that like Mary, we're sitting at his feet. You know, sheep don't sleep much. Not long ago, uh, I went and I looked up what animals sleep the most. And I came back and I told you that what I, what I learned was koala bear was one that, that sleeps 
as much as any other. Sheep are actually on the other end of the spectrum. And from what I read from sleep.org, isn't that great? Sleep.org. They need fewer than four hours of sleep per night. Now, some people hear that and they go, oh, I want that. And I'm one of them because I, I, sometimes I just don't, I just don't want to sleep. I just, just want to stay up. But they don't need a lot of sleep. And that's a lot like we are, that we just want to keep going at it, keep going. At it. We keep busy, busy, busy. And we allow life to control us. I was so impressed and excited when the Ferbers, who are on staff here, so Kelly, who, who leads the children, James, who leads the, our Next Generation Ministries, when they came home from a week away in Florida, they actually came home and they said, it really felt like a vacation. And we were refreshed. And you almost want to say, what? Everybody else comes home and they say, man, I need a vacation from my vacation. I was just so thrilled to hear that. And I just thought, praise the Lord, you guys needed it. Um, because, because they have a, have a newborn and an active family. And I was just so blessed that they could say, you know what? We had a vacation and it was so refreshing. We need rest. We need intentional rest and even times of solitude where we get away and we just are silent and quiet and listening to the Lord and renewing our spirits and our strength. Not in front of a TV, not in front of a computer of any size, but just rest in the Lord rather than busyness. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I have, I have a few happy places. I don't know if you have a happy place or not. But one of my happy places is the place in British Columbia, and it's up in a hill. It's, it's, a, it's a couple of... Well, it's, it's a path, and it's a few-kilometer path up going up a mountain. And as you walk up this mountain, you go up this, this well, it is a mountain, and you get to, a, to an opening. And way up there, and there are lakes like this all over the place. And I, I, took, I took our family up once when we were out, back out visiting in BC. And out it opens to this beautiful, and, and it's not the same on a picture, but it's an emerald green lake called Lake Lindemann. And it just... First time I walked out and I saw it, it just like took my breath away. He leads me beside quiet waters. The word worry in the New Testament has the idea of a divided mind. Doesn't that make sense? It makes sense. That our minds are conflicted and our minds are divided. And, and we, we can't necessarily get clarity, or we, we can't get focus. We have enough for today, so let's not worry about tomorrow. Amen? Well, Jesus said that to his disciples. Let's allow, maybe what you need to receive from God is his peace that passes understanding. And we can get that as we're quiet with him. Then he restores my soul. It's kind of a kind of a similar theme here, right? Just about come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul, and I hear hope in that versus despair. We need more hope. 
I, I look at the obituaries every day, and I, I do that because I, I want to see if there's, there's anybody that I recognize. But my, my heart often gets tugged when I see in the obituaries somebody who's young. And then when I read down at who, who will be the recipient of donations, and I see, please make a donation for mental health. Because you make that connection together and you know that something very sad and tragic may just have happened. And just in the past week, two it's been on the news, two different university students who died far, far too soon because they got to that place of hopelessness. That's just, that's just, doesn't that just like rip your heart out to hear that? Maybe what you need or maybe what God would have you give to somebody else is his hope today. Because God does not live in or give despair. God gives hope to his precious ones. I'm very grateful. Yesterday I went to a, a, a Promise Keepers event with a number of men. Thanks to John Hyben for planning that. And, and I could see it in some of the men who were there. Their hope was renewed and restored as, as they were worshiping the Lord, as they were sitting in workshops, as they were being fed and as they were being ministered to. And you could see in them just how they were being rejuvenated. And I praise the Lord for that. He guides me or leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This one seems fairly obvious. But for all of us, there are times when what we need to receive from God is his guidance. Might be a big decision, might be a little decision. It might be a matter of our making too many decisions without just giving them to God so that he will give us that daily Holy Spirit wisdom so that our decision making will be wise. We are all insecure. You okay with that? We are all insecure. We've all got insecurities. Some of us it comes out more obviously than others. Some of it it comes out in different ways than others. But we're insecure because we need security. And our greatest security is in the one who designed us and made us. Because he designed us in such a way that we need him. That we need God. One of the most profound encounters that I had with the Lord was when I was in university and I went to visit some friends in Montreal. And uh, I had a great time. But on my way home, I was sitting on the train on my way home from Montreal back to London. And as clear as could be, the Lord just, (laughs) the Lord pretty much hammered me, gave me a good kick in my rear And it was a very clear question that he laid out before me. He said, are you going to live for you or are you going to live for me? And that's a decision that we all have to make, isn't it? That's a decision that we all need to make at some point in life. But it it was just so very clear that he was, as I, there were certain things that had happened while I was away. And he brought me to that place to say, you need, you need to make a decision. Where are you going to go from here? Is it all, is it going to be all about you? even just as we sang? Or is it going to be about me first? God asked me. Stories told of a, of a safari guide in Africa, and he had a machete, and he's cutting through all of the, uh, all of the brush that's in the way, and, and, and the, the people behind him from the west, they're back behind saying, I can't see the path, where's the path? 
where are we going? And the guy turned around and he said, I am your path. And that's what God is like. God is ahead of us. And maybe we don't see exactly where things are going, but God does know. And he is the one that we need to be clearing the path when we can't see where we're going. And then this phrase, which is why this particular psalm is often used uh, as a powerful word from the Lord when people are going through grief and suffering. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or deep darkness, I fear no evil for you are with me. I see this about being companionship. You know, we live in a world of seven, about seven billion people. Am I right? And yet loneliness is as much an epidemic as it ever has been. When we hear about young people or about people of any age who've come to that place of despair and hopelessness, they're also experiencing, even though there may be people around them, a profound sense of loneliness. And loneliness isn't really just about somebody being alone, but rather about feeling alone. That's what's so hard, when we feel all alone. And friends, God says, I want to be your companion. God desires to be. God has created us for relationship. David knew loneliness. David who wrote this, he was the runt of the family. Samuel the prophet came, uh, talked to his father Jesse and said, one of your boys is to become the king. And they went through all of them except one because David wasn't even brought into the lineup. Jesse had, had dismissed them. Oh, no, we got, well, he's, yeah, they're still the youngest one, the, kind of the runt of the family, but, oh, I mean, if you want to see him too, that's fine. David experienced some loneliness. God rules the universe, but God is with you and me. Praise his name. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, there's the word in there. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Explanatory. God wants us to receive his comfort at certain times in life. Comfort versus fear. This past week, uh, I learned from Pastor Wayne that he was involved in one way or another, whether attending or helping to lead three different funerals. And this is the time when we're reminded of the need for and, and the wonderful presence of God's healing comfort. And I can testify, even just a couple of weeks ago when I came in here to pray and I asked the Lord for peace, God owes me nothing. It's only His grace, but His peace flooded over me and the rest of the day was just so different from where I had been up to that point. And I just praise the Lord that He brings that comfort and He brings that peace when He knows that we need it most. We need to face sorrow and trial. We can't deny it or dismiss it. Uh, but we can trust in God's comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so we praise the Lord for his nourishment. Not just physical nourishment, but spiritual nourishment from his word. And from one another as well. Nourishment versus starvation. Aren't you blessed when somebody else makes you a meal? 
Aren't you blessed when you don't have to make it, you don't have to do the dishes? So yesterday, somebody came to our door. Now, we knew they were coming, but they came to our door yesterday on Saturday. Uh, part of a family. Their last name is White. And some of you might know them because they're part of this church. And they came to our door with a meal. And out came one, one uh, dish. And uh, this is what this dish is. And then there was another dish. And then there was a cooler full of dishes. And out came this beautiful meal of, of uh, chicken and broccoli and rice. And, and what was that, that dessert? It was uh, cheesecake. Cheesecake, yeah. What a blessing. Now, the difference here is that this meal, this table was not being set in the presence of our enemies. Um, but here, here's, the, here's the interesting thing as we come up to Easter. That in the presence of the one who believed or wanted to believe that he could defeat Jesus with physical death. Jesus met with his disciples and a table was prepared. And Jesus had plans and, and, and he had sent word ahead for this table to be prepared, this meal to be prepared. And in the presence of the greatest enemy, who is Satan, along with all of his fallen angels, a table was prepared where Jesus would have that last supper with his disciples. And there was also the enemy who was the betrayer, who was Judas, who left early to go and to do his business. I thank the Lord that he prepares for us not just a table, a banquet table that we will experience in heaven with him, but rather a place for us to be with him and to feast with him spiritually with victory in the presence of the evil one. I say, thank you, Lord. And so with that word, when we are in the presence of opposition, like Jesus was in the desert at the beginning of his ministry... The word of God is what he spoke to bring down the enemy. Things like man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so God's word is living and active and powerful. Then you anoint my head with oil. Now we often think of oil uh, as, as being something used for blessing, but it's also used for healing. And it was, at least by shepherds, it was used for sheep. It was used for healing. You anoint my head with oil. I learned this. Uh, never heard this before, but apparently shepherds put an oil-like repellent on the, on the top of the heads of, and on the nose of the sheep to repel and to keep off flies because I learned that flies may actually plant their eggs inside the nose of a sheep who has no defense to can't lift up its, you know, its hoof and, and get it out. And then if they're hatched inside the nose, it, it, it could lead to the death of the sheep because when the, when the sheep gets upset from the irritation, it will start banging its head against a hard surface um, until it's probably an, un, until it will die. And so healing is something that God gives us from the inside out. Shepherds would also use oil, oil to treat the wounds of the, of, of, of the disciples, of, of the sheep. Brothers and sisters and friends, um, Jesus is the great healer. By his stripes we are healed. And it begins in our spirits. He wants to heal our spirits 
so that we have eternal life. He wants to heal our minds because that's where the battle takes place. And, and he desires to see us whole physically as well. We don't always understand the why and the when and the how, uh, but we keep trusting and we keep praying, and he brings healing, full healing, the day that we will see him face to face. And I want to encourage you today, no matter what our age, we resist going into the presence of the Lord. Do you ever think of it that way? That no matter how old, sometimes I've heard when, when, when people, what I thought were old, somebody will say, man, they were so young. And the reason we say that, I think, is because we love the people that we're around so much, we just don't want to leave them. And they never seem too old. But the reality is that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when that day comes, we embrace it. And we say, the final enemy is defeated. And that is the enemy of death. So that we can be ushered into the presence of God. Uh, I read this book, uh, Max Lucado, uh, called Traveling Light. Maybe some of you have read it or, or are familiar with it. Uh, but I'm just going to read a, a couple of things from it. In this particular one, I love this. Not only did Jesus prevent wounds, he healed them. He touched the eyes of the blind man. He touched the disease of the leper. He touched the body of the dead girl. Jesus tends to his sheep. He touched the searching heart of Nicodemus. He touched the open heart of Zacchaeus. He touched the broken heart of Mary Magdalene. He touched the confused heart of Cleopas. And he touched the stubborn heart of Paul, the repentant heart of Peter. Jesus tends to his sheep, and he will tend to you. Do you today, do I today, do we need his healing? Do we need to receive some sort of healing? from the Lord. And then my cup overflows. I think this speaks to blessing. Blessing versus cursing. And just the image that I have, and I don't have a picture of it, but the image I have is one of those great big fountains. And what you want to do is you just want a hot day and you just want to jump in the fountain. You ever had that? You ever had that temptation? Have you ever yielded to that temptation? And you just want to jump into that fountain. And, and when you're young, and you see the water just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming, you say, where does it all come from? It just never ends. It just overflows. That's the blessing of God. His blessing just overflows for His children. Blessings of mercy and of grace and of love and of hope and of life. And on and on we could go. Do you need to receive God's blessing? Because he pours it out freely. We have two more. Surely your goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Will you say amen to that? You are being stalked by God's love. You are being pursued by God's love. Goodness to provide our needs. Mercy to provide our freedom. And it was either Lucado or Philip Keller, who is a shepherd. He's written a lot of books, one including uh, one about Psalm 23. Describing 
goodness and mercy like the rear guard behind the sheep. So at the front is the shepherd leading. And then behind, mercy and goodness are like two sheepdogs chasing the sheep to the place where they ought to be going because those dogs are protecting the sheep, they along with the shepherd. Like that rear guard, mercy and freedom. Please accept the value that God gives you when he calls you his beloved. God gives us himself. Jesus gave us himself. Love versus enmity. And finally, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God wants us to receive the gift of eternal life versus eternal death. Heaven, not hell. Heaven is our eternal home. We are living in temporary housing. You ever had that experience of of somebody getting to that place in life where they really ought to downsize, but they just won't let go? You ever had that fight? And it's heartbreaking, too, to see people having to give up some freedoms, uh, having to give up what they love, having to go perhaps somewhere unknown, and having to, to leave that place that has meant so much to them. But when I am reminded that heaven is my home, that we are just wanderers here, And so even less so, the dwellings in which we live, our houses, our homes, our our condos, our apartments, wherever we live, they are all temporary housing. Because we're looking forward to that new place in glory that has been prepared for us. Jesus said, I go and I prepare a place for you. And if it weren't so, the most trustworthy one who's ever lived said, I would have told you so. And so I go to prepare a place for you. We should not get too comfortable. We shouldn't get too comfortable and complacent and in love with this place, as great as it may be. We often talk about salvation um, with the image of caterpillars turning into butterflies, that when we, when, when we, when we turn to follow Christ and, and we get transformed, there's a metamorphosis that takes place. I'm thinking, that way, I'm thinking that way about eternity. That when we leave these mortal bodies, it will be like that caterpillar that fought and fought to get out of that cocoon at the end of its caterpillar life. And what will come out? will be like a butterfly that has the freedom now to fly in the presence of God. And eternal life will be, who knows exactly what it will be like, but it will be absolutely magnificent. Amen? And a freedom beyond belief to be in the presence of God for all eternity. Here's a great quote that I came across that has to do with living with less, living with more. If awareness of what we don't have causes discontentment, because that does for some people, man, I want that, I want that, I want that, I'm not content unless I get that. If awareness of what we don't have causes discontentment, 
then awareness of what we do have in abundance should cause us contentment. And that's about spiritual contentment. Good things from the Good Shepherd. Rest, peace, hope, guidance, companionship, nourishment, healing, blessing, love, and eternal life. As you see that list of, and there are more, but as you see these that are just drawn from these few verses, are there any of those that today the Holy Spirit is saying to you, yes, yes, I need to say thank you, Lord, and I need to receive this, and I need to live in it. Let me invite the musicians forward. Let me invite you uh, to pray with me and to ponder, to give consideration uh, to these 10 things. Today, as we are in the presence of the ever-loving Good Shepherd, is he calling you to rest? Is he inviting you to peace? Is he beckoning you to experience hope? Is he wanting to give you his guidance? Is he offering you his companionship? Is he setting before you spiritual nourishment for you to receive? Is he encouraging you toward healing from the inside out? Is he desiring to pour out to you his blessing today? Is he reminding you today of his unending eternal love? Is he inviting you perhaps today for the first time to say yes to the invitation of eternal life? As we recognize and remember today that it's all about him, It's all about him in such a good way. Thank you, Holy Spirit, today. Thank you for reminding me in this last week to say yes to peace. And Lord, thank you that even today right now, you're you're inviting us, you're beckoning us. And there's some of us sitting right here saying, thank you, Lord, I'm saying yes to hope. Or I'm saying yes to rest. Or I'm saying yes to something else that's not even on this list, but that you, thank you, Lord, have revealed to somebody today. God, thank you for the generosity from your heart. Thank you that you give good gifts abundantly. And even if they're not worth much monetarily, they are of eternal value. And so friends, as we sing our our closing song today, uh, may you and I continue to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Uh, If you need somebody to pray with, please feel free to come forward. There will be those of our ministry team, altar ministry team, who would love to pray with you. And most especially, the Lord wants to minister to you and to me as we open our hearts up to him. Thank you, Lord, for your presence among us. Thank you for your faithfulness. And we say Hosanna in the highest to the great shepherd and the great savior of our souls. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.